Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and the exploration of how we can put Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I serve as Communications Director of the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, a network of about 800 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church with more than 25 years of experience teaching the Bible to people from pre-teens to 90-somethings. I'm passionate about what the Bible has to teach us and about the ways people live out their faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me. I hope everyone had a blessed Easter season. In this episode, we're going to start a series between now and Pentecost on the book of Acts. I've put some thought into why this book is so fascinating to me, and I think part of it is because I'm a history buff. And this book, maybe more so than any other in the Bible, provides a snapshot into the history of the time with really solid accuracy. I think I'm drawn to the people we learn about so much in this book. We gain a better understanding of the growth of the Apostle Peter. And we're introduced to a guy named Paul who started off wanting to quash the Christian uprising and later became the mastermind for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, full disclosure, these episodes will be adaptations of a sermon series I'm sharing between now and Pentecost, which happens in late May. I just completed teaching a course on the book of Acts as a Lenten study on BeADisciple.com, and this second time of teaching that course energized me to the point that I decided to share some of my favorite points with my small congregation in Lawrence, Kansas, and with listeners to this podcast. So let's get started. But first, I think we need to take a trip to the movies. I'm a big fan of movies. As a matter of fact, it's really hard for me not to like a movie in some way. If I pay my money and I go watch it, I usually like it. And I especially like movies that tell in-depth stories. And that often means that they have sequels. So I thought I'd start off by sharing what I consider to be some of the best examples of sequels. Now, folks who have listened to me for a long time know that I am a science fiction nerd, or just a nerd in general, so some of these won't be a big surprise for you. But anyway, here are my favorites. Star Trek, movies 2, 3, and 4, which had the original cast. Star Trek 2 was The Wrath of Khan. Three was The Search for Spock, and four was The Voyage Home. And all three of those tied together one timeline, telling an extensive story, with each movie building on the last and setting up the next. I don't think these are going to be any kind of spoilers, because these movies have been out a really long time, but in The Wrath of Khan, Spock dies rescuing the Enterprise. In Search for Spock, Kirk steals the Enterprise to go seek his friend, and to resurrect him with a ritual on Spock's homeworld of Vulcan. And finally, the voyage home has the original cast members leaving Vulcan after Spock has been rejoined with his mind, only to then travel back in time to rescue at Earth under siege from an unknown force. It's actually a movie about protecting the environment, specifically whales, mixed in with fun interactions between the characters, a little drama, and ultimately a return to space exploration. Like I said, I'm a nerd. So I'm also a huge fan of the Star Wars movies. And there are actually nine of those movies that are tied together. There are more, but 
there are three different trilogies. And the first one is the trilogy from my youth. Star Wars, now known as A New Hope, was actually episode four. The Empire Strikes Back was episode five. And The Return of the Jedi is episode six. But those were the first three movies. Then we get a prequel trilogy of three movies that tells us how the characters even got to that point. And then we get the final three movies to wrap up a story that creator George Lucas had in his head back in the mid-1970s, though he had far less to do with the last trilogy than the others. space. One of my favorite sequel movies of late is Top Gun Maverick. It picks up characters that we knew from the 1990s movie Top Gun about a hotshot Navy combat pilot. And now that pilot, Pete Mitchell, played by Tom Cruise, is preparing Navy pilots for a critical mission. But I also like sequels that aren't necessarily action flicks. I really enjoyed not too long ago was called Glass Onion and it was a sequel to a quirky mystery movie titled Knives Out. It features Daniel Craig playing a sleuth named Benoit Blanc. Now you may know Daniel Craig as James Bond in the 007 movies and I tend to think he's one of the best James Bonds if not the best so far. But I love the character in these movies because not only is he brilliant, not only does it make me watch for every little detail to see if I can figure out who did what, but he gets to be funny in this, too. And finally, my wife may not forgive me if I talk about sequels without mentioning the Harry Potter movies. We meet Harry, the wizard, in seventh grade when he starts at Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry. I think that's the right name, but I might have it wrong. If so, I'm pretty sure somebody will let me know. Anyway, we go through his senior year as he battles the evil dark wizard, Voldemort. Now, I would argue that each of these sequels were a good choice to make. They tied stories together, they moved a bigger story along, and they bring understanding to what happens to the characters. But I think we all know that not all sequels are created equally. In fact, some sequels shouldn't have been made at all. Some are just awful. So I thought I'd share a couple of examples, three of them actually, of the why make this movie category. The first one is Jaws the Revenge. Apparently the big shark can track the family of the guy who killed the first giant shark in the first movie. The fact that this was in 3D did not help it at all. I was 14 or 15 at the time and I really should have liked it, but even then I thought it was dumb. Speaking of dumb, and this one really hurts, another sequel that I would have avoided making was Major League Two. The first movie is one of my favorite flicks of all time, baseball or otherwise, because number one, it's about baseball, and I love baseball. But number two, it was hilarious. I laughed all the way through that movie. 
But the sequel, well, the sequel just looked tired and didn't provide anything new. The jokes weren't very funny, and some things just didn't seem to fit. But one of the most awkward of the sequels, and it's one that I will confess I've only seen about 20 minutes of, well, it's Freddy vs. Jason. Now, I know some people love these kinds of movies, and they like this one. And they had to because they actually made a sequel to this sequel. It's kind of funny because I actually enjoyed Nightmare on Elm Street, and I didn't mind the original Friday the 13th, although I'm not much of a horror fan, and I'm definitely not into slasher films. But Freddy vs. Jason pits villains against one another. Freddy Krueger was from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and Jason from Friday the 13th. Freddy Krueger is actually kind of interesting to me at times because he was a little funny. He had some funny one-liners and the way that he was always taken out by kids or whoever else was battling him in the movie as well. It was always kind of interesting to see him get his, you know, get what he deserved. But the sequels, this weren't very interesting to me. And this last one with both Freddy and Jason just seemed nonsensical. Let's talk about good sequels. You know, there are a lot of good sequels in books. Two that I particularly enjoy are the Cleopatra Fox Mysteries by C.J. Archer. They're set in England, I think turn of the 20th century. And then there's the Alex Cross crime dramas from James Patterson. I like those stories and I like being able to get to know his characters from story to story to story and how consistent he is with them. And you know what? We have a pretty darn good sequel in our Bible. It's the one we're going to focus on for the next few weeks, the Acts of the Apostles. So what exactly is the book of Acts? Well, first, it's widely recognized to be a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, and it's a follow-up message to someone named Theophilus. It takes place from the ascension of Jesus to heaven through the last recorded moments of the life of the Apostle Paul. But for me... Here's the most critical point. The events recorded in its 28 chapters happen from about 29 to 30 AD as the beginning point and end somewhere around 62 AD. Well, the Gospel of Mark, which is believed to be the first of the Gospels written, probably wasn't written until about 66 to 70 AD. So what happens in Acts, what we read about in that book, those things all happened before people had the Gospels as a reference point. Some of the letters from Paul were widely circulated before the first Gospel was known to people, but Paul then would be their first source about who Jesus Christ is. For some of them, it might have been Peter. But these were believers living at the time who were, pick your metaphor, soaring without a net or a parachute, whatever you want. Everything they learned was by word of mouth or virtually everything, and usually from eyewitnesses passed down to others. They couldn't go to their Bible and look up Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Like some of those great movie sequels, Acts picks up right where the previous story, in this case Luke, left off. Here's an example. I want to read to you how the Gospel of Luke ends. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 48 through 53. 
my witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with a heavenly power. Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. As he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem overwhelmed with joy. And they were continuously in the temple praising God. So that's how Luke ends. And then we pick up the book of Acts. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. That's going to be our main scripture for this episode. And I want you to listen for what's duplicated from the end of Luke for the benefit of those who heard the stories back in the day. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive and many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. So what do we know? Jesus is risen, yes? So now Jesus comes back and spends 40 days with them. Was it a literal 40 full days, or was it just a long time? Honestly, we don't know, and I don't think it matters. What matters is what we can glean from this passage. We learn that Jesus is again teaching them about God's kingdom, something he did really more often than anything else while he was on earth. And no doubt he was talking to them about a heavenly, eternal kingdom for all who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But he also, with little doubt, was talking about the kingdom of God on earth as we work together to lift up the lowly, incorporate the outcast into our society, and as we embrace the outlaw. All key components of the first movie, I mean book, Luke. To learn more about that, I ask that you check out the Gospel of Luke. And another great resource is a book by Reverend Adam Hamilton of Resurrection, a United Methodist Church based in Leewood, Kansas. The book is titled Luke, Jesus and the Outsiders, Outcasts, and Outlaws. It's important that Jesus kept teaching about the kingdom. And the fact that we know it means that there were eyewitnesses to this living, risen Christ. And in this short passage from Acts chapter 1, the apostles received some instructions that I would argue we would be best served to pay attention to even today in 2023. First, Jesus' followers are told to wait for the, what the Father had promised. We know now that that's the Holy Spirit, 
whose visible arrival we will celebrate Memorial Day weekend during Pentecost. Just wait. Those are the instructions. And that sounds like an easy instruction, doesn't it? But how well do we wait? Consider what life was like for them. Their leader and rabbi was gone, this time seemingly for good, and they were on the radar of the Roman war machine. They would have also been under scrutiny from Jewish leadership in the temple, and no doubt they were living in fear. And what does Jesus tell them to do? Wait. Elsewhere, we learn that they are to wait for the Advocate, or the Holy Spirit. And they did what they were told. But did they just sit around? I don't think so. Like any good sequel, we have to look back to the original story. Remember how Luke ends. We're told that the followers of Jesus, quote, were continuously in the temple praising God, end quote. In other words, they waited, but they waited with purpose. So how do we wait? Or do we wait at all? Are we being purposeful in waiting and watching for the Holy Spirit? I think this is where spiritual disciplines are so important. We can be purposeful in waiting by attending worship, by reading scripture, by serving others, and by pushing for justice. But I think it's also important that we spend time purposefully in prayer. And that means praying differently than we typically do, or at least what I think we typically do. Speaking for me, better than what I typically do. Country singer Eric Church is one of my favorite lyrics writers right now. He just knows how to turn a phrase and pack it with meaning. And in his song, Some of It, he has the following line to start off. Beer don't keep, love's not cheap, and trucks don't wreck themselves. Mama ain't a shrink, daddy ain't a bank, and God ain't a wishing well. It's a great line. And it's a reminder of how our prayers all too often go. We want things from God. We might even get upset when God doesn't answer our prayer for whatever it is that we want. Healing, fortune, or an answer to a deep question. I wonder how much better we would be prepared for the Holy Spirit. How much more purposeful our wait would be if instead of praying for things, we would simply ask God to reveal what the Spirit has to share with us. I get the feeling that that was a key part of the praise in the temple after Jesus ascended to heaven. Jesus told his followers to wait, so I think we should do the same. The second point goes with the first. Jesus instructs his followers to be patient, though not in those words. To be clear, what he actually tells them is to be at peace that they won't know everything there is to know. One of the apostles, as Jesus is about to leave, asks if now is the time that God is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. That is, after all, what everyone had been waiting for. Jesus responds by telling them that it isn't for them to know the time of when God will set things into motion. And that's a challenge for those of us who want to know right now. Because that requires patience. It requires humility. And those aren't traits that we too often or easily embrace. It's a reminder from Jesus that some things are simply above our pay grade that we're on a need-to-know basis and some things we just don't need to know. You know, I get a kick out of people who write books and go on TV saying they've got it all figured out about the end times. By reading the Bible a certain way, they figured out the date and time for Jesus' second coming for the end of the world. And all the people who have done that in the past have obviously been wrong. And they should know better. Because Jesus makes it clear here 
and elsewhere, frankly, that it isn't any of our business or concern. That knowledge belongs solely to God. Our job is to love other people, with no exceptions, and to help make the kingdom of God on earth a reality. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to do. And speaking of doing, the final of the three lessons I take from this passage comes not from Jesus, but they certainly come on his behalf. As Jesus is rising to the heavens, two men dressed in white, we can assume that they're angels, appear and ask why the followers of Jesus are standing there looking toward the sky. It sounds an awful lot like that question asked on Easter morning, doesn't it? On that day, the angels asked, Why do you seek the living among the dead? This time it's, Why are you standing there looking for the living among the clouds? I think it's a reminder. Jesus led the work while he was walking on the earth as the human one. The disciples merely followed his lead, at least in most cases. But now, the dynamics have changed. They've been promoted and the expectations are now higher. That question from the angels is a reminder that the work now belongs to them. And by extension, that means the work now belongs to you and to me. In essence, what the angel said is, Jesus will come back in the same way, but until then, why are you just standing around? Didn't Jesus make it clear that there's work to be done? Quit staring up at the sky and get to work. Get going. So are we, as Christ followers in 2023, just standing around? Are we just spectators looking to the sky for Jesus to arrive? The apostles wondered if Jesus was going to do something, something to make Israel a power once again. I want us to consider if we're looking among ourselves, or looking at ourselves in the mirror, really, and asking what we can do on behalf of Jesus for others in the world today. I think that's the framework for the book of Acts. We're going to spend a few weeks looking at what I think are some of the highlights of the book of Acts. Over the next few episodes, we'll explore what it means to speak boldly for the sake of the gospel. How we're supposed to be curious about what the scriptures have to teach us. How some people have big, sudden, aha moments about Christ being the Savior, and how others come to the faith gradually. And you know what? Both of those are perfectly okay. We'll look at the way God teaches that there are no mistakes in God's creation. And we'll learn how God gives us what we need to share the good news with others, as long as we're prepared to keep an open mind and be creative. And all of that will culminate with the celebration of the birthday of the Church Universal on Pentecost. So, through the scriptures, we've watched Jesus ascend to heaven. But before he left, he equipped us, he encouraged us to wait with purpose to accept that we won't know everything there is to know, and that we shouldn't let the lack of full and complete knowledge hinder us from taking what Jesus taught and sharing that information with others. I look forward to exploring together how Jesus prepared us to share the news about him and with others after this time physically here on earth and how the early church set the example for us today. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, 
please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.